Blog Talk Radio. Hang on, well, let me write mine down real quick. Hang on. Here you go. I'm about to. Maybe you need to go with Mama. Go with Mama. Uh-uh. <laughs> She's going to take her cane. Mercy. Are you ready, sister? Did you get a hold of Bobby Reagan? Did you get in touch with Bobby Reagan? Hmm. I don't know. I haven't talked to him in years. He may not even be practicing. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, that's what I do. Just go by there. All right. Well, let's take our songbook. Let's turn to number 477. Let's stand together and sing. On Christ the solid rock I stand. All other ground is sinking sand. 477. <laughs> Got a trick for you this morning. <laughs> Four seventy seven. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest prank, but only lean on Jesus' name. On Christ the solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand. All other ground is sinking sand. When darkness lifts his lovely face, I rest on 
In every high and stormy gale, my anchor holds within the veil. On Christ the Son, look, I said, all other ground is sinking sand. All other ground is sinking sand. His hope is come, but not his blood. Support me in the whelming flood. When all around my soul gives way, he's in his all my hope and say. On Christ the solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand. All other ground is sinking sand. When he shall come with trumpet sound, oh, may I then in him be found. Rest in his righteousness alone, all blessed to stand before the throne. On Christ the solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand. All other ground is sinking sand. Now we're going to do something different this morning. We're going to start doing something different this morning. I want you to turn around. She's going to play the family of God, number 23. And if you want to find it, if you know it by heart, you sing it here at the end. But we're going to turn around and shake somebody's hand this morning while she plays and tell them you're better than I am. All right? That's what the Bible says. We're to esteem the other better than themselves. That's what the Bible says. Shake somebody's hand. Tell you're better than I am. Jesus who didn't have a Bible. 
April has been a very busy month with, with sharing Christ and crosses. We've been to Texarkana, Arkansas, Martin, Louisiana, San Angelo, Texas, Abilene, Paris, and Hugo, Oklahoma. Many souls have been saved, and we praise God for your prayers and help in reaching out with the gospel. Thanks again for blessing this ministry with these Bibles in Christ, Leo and Valerie. And I'm very thankful for what they're doing. They're winning people to Jesus almost every, well, I know they are every week, but they're winning people to Jesus almost daily as they get out in different places and, and share the, the ministry of Christ through the cross ministry, giving those crosses away. So continue to pray for Leo. They, they're very faithful, and they're constant in their, in their ministry as often as they're able. So continue to pray for them. Are there prayer requests this morning? Anybody? Hold your hand up if you got one this morning. Miss Charlotte, I see you. Yes, ma'am, be praying for you. Yes. All right. We pray for her dad who's coming home from his his knee rehab. Others? Anybody else this morning? I know we got plenty to pray for. Amen. Yes, Scott. Amen. Yes, Jackie. Okay. Okay. We praying for your dad. Yes. Anybody else? Yes. Pray for my children. Anybody? All right. Well, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Let's, hey, listen. Let's all pray that God will meet with us. Amen. We didn't come in here just to look at one another. We came in here to meet with the Lord. So let's 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 pray that God will meet with us this morning. Robert, lead us in prayer. Amen. You be seated. Oh, the land of an un- 
unclouded day. Oh, they tell me of a home where no storm clouds rise. Oh, they tell me of an unclouded day. Oh, they tell me that he smiles on his children there, and his smile drives their sorrows all away. And they tell me that no tears ever come again. In that lovely land of unclouded day, oh, the land of cloudless day, oh, the land of an unclouded day, oh, they tell me of a home where no storm clouds rise, oh, they tell me of an unclouded day, 378. 378, the haven of rest. My soul in sad exile was out of so burdened with sin and distress, till I heard a sweet voice saying, make me your choice, and I entered the haven of rest. I've anchored my soul in the haven of rest. I'll sail the wild seas no more. The tempest may sweep or the wild stormy deep. In Jesus, I'm safe evermore. I yielded myself to his tender embrace, and faith taking hold of the word. My fetters fell off, and I anchored my soul. The haven of rest is my Lord. I've anchored my soul in the haven of rest. I'll sail the wide seas no more. The tempest may sweep or the wild stormy deep. In Jesus I'm safe evermore. The song of my soul since the Lord made me whole has been the old story so blessed of Jesus who saved whosoever will have a home in the haven of rest. I've anchored my soul in the haven of rest. I'll sail the wide seas no more. The tempest may sweep or the wild stormy deep. In Jesus I'm safe evermore. Last, oh, come to the Savior. He patiently waits to save. By his power divine, come anchor your soul in the haven of rest, and save 
my beloved is mine. I've anchored my soul in the haven of rest. I'll sail the wild seas no more. A tempest may sweep o'er the wild stormy deep. In Jesus I'm safe evermore. Praise God, I am. Hallelujah. Number 75, in the sweet by and by. Amen. What a day it'll be when we get over there. Praise God. There's a land that is fairer than day. And by faith we can see it afar. For the Father waits over the way to prepare us a dwelling place there. In the sweet by and by, we shall meet on that beautiful shore. In the sweet by and by, we shall meet on that beautiful shore. We shall sleep on that beautiful shore, the melodious songs of the blessed, and our spirit shall sorrow no more, not a for the blessing of rest. In the sweet by and by, we shall meet on that beautiful shore, in the by and by, we shall meet on that beautiful shore, to our bountiful Father above, we will offer the tribute of praise, for the glorious gift of His love, and the blessings that hallow our days, in the sweet by and by. We shall meet on that beautiful shore in the sweet by and by. We shall meet on that beautiful shore. Praise God. What a day that's going to be. I'll tell you what, I, I'm so looking forward to that day. So looking forward to that. It, it happens that way as you get older. And the reason it is is because Jesus only let me in. 
sailing over to. Y'all want to pronounce that one, anybody? Looks like Phoenicia, but it's Foynique. Foynique. And finding a ship sailing over into Foynique, we went aboard and set forth. Now when we had discovered discovered Cuprus, you thought it was Cyprus, I did too, we left it on the left hand and sailed into Syria and landed at Ture, for there the ship was to unlaid her burden. And finding disciples, we carried there seven days, who said to Paul through the Spirit that he should not go up to Jerusalem. And when we had accomplished those days, we departed and went our way, and they all brought us on our way with wives and children till we were out of the city, and we kneeled down on the shore and prayed. And when we had taken our leave one of another, we took ship and returned home again. And when we had finished our course from Ture, we went to, I can't even say that one, we'll say Ptolemy, but I don't know how to say it, and saluted the brethren and abode with them one day. And the next day, we that were of Paul's company departed and came unto Caesarea and entered into the house of Philip the evangelist, which was one of the seven and abode with him. And the same day, and the same man had four daughters, virgins, which did prophesy. And as we tarried there many days, there came down from Judea a certain prophet named Agabus. And when he was come unto us, he took Paul's girdle and bound his own hands and feet and said, Thus saith the Holy Ghost, So shall the Jews at Jerusalem bind the man that owneth this girdle and shall deliver him into the hands of the Gentiles. And when we, were, we heard these things, both we and they of that place besought him not to go up to Jerusalem. Then Paul answered, What mean ye to weep and break mine heart? For I am ready not to be bound only, but also to die at Jerusalem for the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, our Lord Jesus. And when he would not be persuaded, we ceased, saying, The will of the Lord be done. And after those days we took up our carriages and went up to Jerusalem. And when, there, there, went up with, there went with us also certain of the disciples of Caesarea, and brought with them one mason of, of Supras, an old disciple with whom we should lodge. And when we were come to Jerusalem, the brethren received us gladly, and may the Lord add his blessing to the reading of his word this morning. Father, I ask you please to help me these next few moments, Lord. I just I pray, Lord, the Holy Ghost would absolutely take control and just speak through me. Lord, remind me of the things that I've studied and learned. And, Lord, I pray you'd make this application, Lord, to your people this morning, the people in this house and meeting together, Father God, and those that are listening in. Father, we need to hear from you, Lord. Holy Spirit of God, direct our thoughts and, Lord, our hearts and minds to the Scripture this morning, to the precious Word of God. Speak through it to us and teach us today. Give us something we can take home with us, something we can hang on to and use. Father God, I just thank you so much for the Apostle Paul. I thank you for his life and ministry. Lord, I thank you for the gospel that reached me through his ministry. Lord God, I praise you this morning for calling me into this ministry and putting me behind this pulpit. Fill me with your power. Fill me with your spirit. Cleanse my, my life, my being, Lord. Separate from me anything that would hinder the message. Fill me and pour me out now on your people. I ask for Christ's sake, for his honor and glory. And all God's people said, Amen. Yeah. All right. Praise the Lord. Last week, y'all remember where we were at last week? Uh, Paul, is, Paul was leaving. He was getting ready to leave. And you remember, they, they, were, they, 
they got to the seashore, and, and Paul told them, look, I've done everything I could for you. I've given you every bit of teaching that I could give you, and I, I, didn't, I didn't ask or require anything of you. Thank my own way. I, I just wanted to make sure everybody heard the gospel. Amen. And everybody had heard the gospel. And he said, I'm free from the blood of all men. I, can't anybody hold me accountable for not preaching the gospel to you all because I did. I gave you everything I had. And now I'm leaving. He told me, he said, I'm never going to see you again. You'll never see me again inside of heaven. And they broke down and weeping because they realized that they probably would never see him again. And so they left from there, and the Bible tells us how the trip went. He would go and he would find the synagogue. There was one first, and he would see 
So Paul is not listening to the Holy Ghost when it comes to that choice. Paul is doing the opposite of what Paul is trying to tell him. Uh, and, and Paul has got a little bit of a, uh, oh, what am I trying to say? He's got a little bit of a uh, kamikaze complex. I guess that's what we'll call it. Do or die. If I die serving God, so be it. You know, he, he's, he's got, again, he's got that kamikaze mentality. I mean, I believe after that experience he had in Lystra where they stoned him and he and he and God raised him up from the side of the road and he just marched right back into town. I believe he's been kamikaze ever since. Amen. I mean, whether you say, well, that's right or wrong, I don't know if that's right. God talks about our body being the temple of the Holy Ghost and, and, and which we have God and not our own. We're bought with a price and we're to glorify God in our bodies. And I think he was willing to let his be destroyed for, you know, for something God had never called him to do. But, again... He was warned, amen? And then we see here another warning here in our text, verse 4. So they got to Ture, and, and they got, and, and they were, where they were unloading the ship, and, and when they got there, they found some people that had been won to Christ earlier, and, uh, and so, so they found a home that would open up to them and let them stay, and they stayed there for a whole week. And while they were there that week, those people, those disciples, said to Paul, through the capital S Holy Spirit, that he should not go up to Jerusalem. So he's been warned again and again and again. You would think he and all the who love the Lord, who has spent time in the desert with the Lord Jesus himself, you would think he would have enough sense to say, God, make your mind to the Is that what happens? accomplished those days, so when that week passed, we departed and went on our way, and they all brought us on our way with wives and children till we were out of the city, and we kneeled down on the shore and prayed. Here we are again. Here's another one of these tearful departures. They're all out there praying for him because, you know why? They all know he's hard-headed and he's going to go anyway. And they all know that the Spirit of God said, don't go, Paul, don't do it, don't do it. And yet, he's hard-headed, so they're all going, and they're praying, oh, Lord, please protect him. We know that this is not what you want. Please, God, please protect Paul. And they're out there on the shore praying for him. And the Bible said, and when we had taken our leave, one of another, we took ship, and they returned home again. You know, that's kind of, that's a nautical term, taking ship, taking leave, taking ship. You know, I like how, how Luke is using these terms in in here. Um, we came to Ptolemaeus and saluted the brethren and abode with them one day. And the next day, we that were of Paul's company departed and came unto Caesarea, and we entered into the house of Philip and Caesarea. So they were in fire and went to Ptolemais, which is right there, and then they came on down to Caesarea. All right. So they entered in to the house of Philip the Evangelist, which is one of the seven, and abode with him. So one of the seven. Okay, what are we talking about? One of the seven. Well, he was one of the original deacons. Look in Acts chapter six, verses one through six. Turn back here with me. Acts chapter 6, verses 1 through 6.
Acts 6, 1 through 6, And in those days when the number of disciples was multiplied, there arose a murmuring of the Grecians against the Hebrews because their widows were neglected in the daily ministration. Then the widow called the multitude of the disciples unto them and said, it's, no re- it's not reason that we should leave the word of God and serve tables. Wherefore, brethren, look ye out among you seven men of honest report, full of the Holy Ghost and wisdom, whom we may appoint over this business. But we will give ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the word. Now, this is the apostles talking. And they and the saying pleased the whole multitude, and they chose Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Ghost, and Philip, there he is, and Prochorus, and Nicanor, and Timon, and Parmenas, and Nicholas, a proselyte of Antioch, whom they set before the apostles, and when they prayed, they laid their hands on them. And the word of the Lord increased, and the number of the disciples multitude in Jerusalem greatly, and a great number of priests were obedient to the faith. All right. So anyway, he was one of the original, the original that were called to uh, to be deacons to serve, so the apostles could continue ministering, and they were to take care of the widows and and all those. And he was a godly man, and he was a witness, and he preached the word of God. Amen. I believe I believe the Bible calls deacons not just to to be good men, but to also to communicate the word of God, preach the gospel to people. And so Philip was one of those. Amen. Uh, Philip again. He was the original. He was an original deacon. And uh, we see in chapter eight, we see that that he is. Well, I tell you what. Turn to Acts chapter one, verse eight, if you would. Turn back there real quick. I just want to share with you what Christ told them to do. In Acts chapter one and verse eight, Jesus said these words. But ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost is come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost part of the earth. Okay, so Jesus is telling them, you're not going to be powerless. No, I'm going to give you my power. He's going away, but he's sending the Holy Ghost, who's who's another comforter, which means exactly like Jesus, and he is going to give them power to be witnesses for Christ everywhere, okay? But what you're going to see is is that the apostles didn't listen to Jesus very well. Most of them stayed right there in Jerusalem and didn't go anywhere. But Philip obeyed the Lord. I I want to shine the light on Philip here a minute because Philip was obedient to what Jesus said. Jesus said, go ye into all the world. He said, he, he told them, he said, in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and the uttermost parts of the earth. So again, Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and the uttermost parts of the earth, all right? He's already been in Jerusalem and served in Jerusalem, and he's already served in Judea, and he's already been, and he's been up in Samaria too. We're going to see that. He, he, did, he did three of them that Jesus commanded because, again, uh, Serving in Jerusalem as a deacon, and then in Acts chapter eight, in verses four and five, what did, what did the Holy Spirit do? He, he he sent him to Samaria. He went down to Samaria, and revival broke out in Samaria. He was obedient, went down there, and started preaching, and people started getting saved. And then what happened? And then the Holy Ghost caught him away, and he went down in Judea, and he ran across the Ethiopian eunuch on his way home and witnessed to him there. So Philip has been obedient to the Lord Jesus Christ's command. Amen? So praise God for Philip, and praise God for somebody who will listen to God and do what he said. Amen? He was one of the seven, and Paul, they abode with him. And the same man had four daughters, virgins, 
which did prophesy. Now, I'm on red alert. I'm going to give you, there's a scripture twister warning right here. When, 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 there, when there are women who want to, to preach and pastor churches, they will grab the beard and they will grab verse 9 and they'll wave it like a flag and say, See there, there's women preachers in the Bible. Right there, y'all, look, right there. I got news for you. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to straighten this out before anybody ever points this out to you. Number one, these were four virgin daughters of Philip. Okay? They're not in a church. They're in his house. Okay? Paul comes through, and he's on his way to go to Jerusalem. And the Holy Spirit says to these girls, Paul's going to go get arrested and be killed. Or you know, Paul's going to get in a lot of trouble. And he lands on their heart. And they went to him and said, Oh, you go to Jerusalem. You know, he's going to hate you. They're going to arrest you. They're going to do awful things to you. That's what they did. They, what is prophesying? Prophesying is telling them a future event. Okay, they prophesied. And, and were, they, were they putting sermons together and getting behind a pulpit? No. It was four, four, four virgin daughters of Philip who had a burden to tell Paul, Don't go. You're going to get hurt. Don't go. That's all it is. Amen. Uh, and it says in verse 10, it says, And as we tarried there many days, there came down from Judea a certain prophet named Agabus. Okay? And, and when he was come unto us, he took Paul's girdle and bound his own hands and feet and said, Thus saith the Holy Ghost, So shall the Jews at Jerusalem bind the man that owneth this girdle and shall deliver him into the hands of the Gentiles. All them four virgin girls did was repeat the same message that Agabus repeated to Paul uh, just a couple days later. Now, by the way, let me just say this. Let me just throw this out there before we get too far and go in that direction. There ain't no prophets today. Amen? We're not living in the age of prophets. God is not raising up prophets. There's nobody prophesying. You know why there ain't nobody prophesying today? Y'all know why? Because this book's closed. Amen? The canon of Scripture's closed. There's nothing more to be added to it. I've shared with you before, but I'll share it again this morning because I know there's some new people in here who ain't been here when I told it. But I preached years ago over. I'm a preacher. I was working years ago over in. Uh, I know y'all, most y'all know this. But I was working laying carpet in Cooper, Texas, and there was a woman in there laying carpet. She'd be there and in the dark at a nightstand. I was laying carpet. I could see her from a shadow in the room, and I know what she was doing. She was in there scribbling something. And uh, she gave me a piece of paper before I left, said, read that on your way home. Well, I opened it up on the way home, and it was all these things she was saying was going to happen in my ministry that she was prophesying. got down the bottom of it. She wrote these words, Thus saith the Lord. I, I, told, I told Johnny Tippett, who I was riding with on the way home, I said, I said, that one was a nut. I said, I feel weird, man. I feel weird reading this. I said, that woman was crazy. Amen. Let me tell you something. If, if, if what she said was, number one, she wasn't a prophet because it didn't happen, okay? Uh, number two, if, if what she said was something that should have had, thus saith the Lord added onto it, well, we needed to make an addendum to the Scripture then and put it in here because if those are the words of God himself, they belong in the Bible. 
If every time some woman uttered, thus saith the Lord, and I say woman because, like Dr. Wright said, if you took the women on the charismatic movement, it'd die overnight. Uh, and I do believe that. Amen. You don't see men in the charismatic movement running that thing. It's usually henpecked husbands sitting in the back, and the women are jumping up and throwing a fit. That's what happens. I mean, it's just that's the way it goes. And I don't care who I make mad on here saying that. I'm just, I've done it before on TV and alienated a whole bunch of people. But the truth's the truth, whether anybody likes it or not, whether it hair lips the Pope, it's the truth. Amen? So, you know, again, Scripture is, is, is closed. Uh, we'll, we'll, we'll look at, I'll, I'll look at a place and show you. Um, look at, uh, oh, sorry, Second Peter. Second Peter chapter 1, verse 19 21. Said, We have a more sure word of prophecy. Wherefore ye do well that ye take heed as unto a light that shineth in a dark place, until the day dawn and the and the day star arise in your hearts, knowing this first that no prophecy of the scripture is of any private interpretation. For the prophecy not, came not in old time by the will of man, but holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. Okay? Now, you got to understand, when we say we have a more sure word of prophecy, you have to look back here at, uh, at verse 18. He's talking about a voice from heaven. He said, And this voice which came down from heaven we heard when we were with him in the holy mount, talking about the voice from heaven that came down when they were on the Mount of Transfiguration. Amen. He's talking about that. Peter was on that mount with Jesus, remember? He said, it's good for us to be here. Let's build some tabernacles and stay here. He's referring to that time when he was there and he saw Jesus transfigured. He said, we heard a voice from heaven. This is my beloved Son in whom I'm well pleased. He said, but we have a more sure word of prophecy than that. This book right here is a more sure word of prophecy than a voice from heaven. Isn't that something? That's what God said. That ain't, that ain't what me or Paul or Peter or anybody, that's what God said. So God says his word is more sure than any any voice anybody ever heard anywhere. So there's a lot of people hearing voices. I don't know if y'all remember years ago, I think I was in my 20s when, when Oral Roberts heard a, he heard a voice from God and he saw a 900-foot Jesus. Y'all remember hearing that? He had a vision. He saw a 900-foot Jesus that told him if, if, if the people in their ministry didn't, didn't give him $8 million, uh, before a certain amount of time, God was going to kill him. Y'all remember hearing about that? That was just the most nuttiest thing you ever heard of. But you know what? They gave him $8 million. People are crazy. Amen? They absolutely lost their mind, praise God. But but anyway, oh, 1 Corinthians 10, 16, real down here. Let me find out what that is for. 1 Corinthians 10, 16. No, nope, I don't know. <laughs> but but anyway, again, there's no prophets today. Everything is done away with that. Amen. Um, I mean, we have this King James Bible, by the way. First Corinthians thirteen eight through thirteen. I want to share that. That's what I'm looking for. First Corinthians thirteen. Says, Charity never faileth. But whether there be prophecies, 
they shall fail. See, prophecies have come to an end. He said, whether there be tongues, they shall cease. Uh, tongues are not for today. And anybody tells you they're speaking in tongues today, they're, they're deluding themselves. God doesn't give people tongues today. You know, and again, we've covered that, but the reason there were tongues, that was a sign for the Jews because the Jews require a sign. And every time you see tongues used or present, there are Jews present. Anytime there longer present, there are no longer tongues, because again, they require a sign. So again, he said that where the tongues shall fail, shall cease, and whether there be knowledge, it shall vanish away. Vanish away. For we know in part, and we prophesy in part, but when that which is perfect is come, then that which is in part shall be done away. The Bible is complete. The canon of Scripture is closed, and that which is perfect is come now, and there's no need for things leading up to the Word of God being finished. He said, when I spake as a child, when I was a child, I spake as a child, and I understood as a child, but when I, I thought as a child, but when I became a man, I put away childish things, for now we see through a glass darkly, but then face to face. I know Now I know in part, but then I shall know even as I am known. Praise God. But the scripture is closed, it's done, it's finished. There's no need for anybody else to prophesy in this day and time that we live in. Amen. All right, let's continue on. Verse 12. And when he had heard these things, again, they, uh, Agabus had, had wrapped his girdle around his hands and, and, uh, and his feet and said, and I'm sure he was psyched. He wrapped himself up there and said, this is what they're going to do to you, Paul. They're going to put you in the stocks, boy. They're going to arrest you. They're going to lock you up. And when he heard these things, both we and they of that place besought him not to go up. Up to Jerusalem. But Paul then Paul answered, What mean you to weep and to break mine heart? Why are you trying to make me cry? Why? Because they were begging him. They were saying, We love you, Paul. Please don't do it. Please don't go. Please, Paul. He says, Why are you trying to make me cry? Why are you trying to break my heart? He said, He said, I don't care if they arrest me. I'm not I'm ready to be bound. I'm not ready to be bound only. I don't care if they put handcuffs on me. He said, but I'm ready to die at Jerusalem for the name of the Lord Jesus. Again, I'm telling you, Paul was on a kamikaze mission. Paul was on a, he was on a suicide mission. He's like, I don't care if they kill me. I'm going to go witness to those people. I'm going to tell them they're going to die in their sins without Jesus, that he is the Messiah, and they're going to burn in hell without him. I don't care if they kill me. That was, just, that was where he's coming from. It had nothing to do with selfishness. It had nothing to do with vain glory. It had to do with if I have to throw myself on the if I have to throw myself on the altar of sacrifice for Jesus so that they get saved, so be it. That's love. You can say, Paul, you should have listened to God. And he should have. Amen? He should have. You know, somebody asked the question, is it possible to take the gospel to the wrong place? I don't know. Paul tried. Paul tried. And the Bible said, and when he would not be persuaded, we ceased, we shut up, we left it alone, saying, well, will of the Lord be done. I'll think of some scriptures here as, as we're coming down to the end of this. First of all, let me say this. I think Paul is a mirror of Jonah. I see a picture of Jonah here. And what did God do? God had to swallow him up in a fish and take him to the Gentiles. All over the Gentiles. 
Handcuffs and send him right back to where he was. Right back to where he was going. He should have went to begin with. Amen. Just like it. Amen. There's going to be a ship going to take Paul. Amen. So again, I see a mirror. Uh, most everything in, happens in the Old Testament. If you look, you'll find a, you'll almost find a mirror image of it in the New Testament. Uh, but I'm, I'm, I'm reminded of some scriptures as we're closing on this, some things that Paul said, and it kind of shows me his heart. Philippians chapter 1, verse 21. Paul said, For me to live is Christ, and to die is gain. That was his mindset. You know, if I live, if I live, I get to share Jesus with people. If I live, I get to set people free from the penalty of sin and death. If I live, I get to give people eternal life as long as I live. But if I die, I get to go and be with the one who gives eternal life. I get to go and spend every every moment of, of eternity with Jesus. So it's gain for me to die. It's actually better for me to die. I don't have to I don't have to live apart from him down here anymore. Verse three. If you turn over there with me, real quick. Romans chapter nine and verse three. Paul, he said, "For I, I could wish." Paul said, "For I could wish that myself were accursed from Christ for my brethren, my kinsmen according to the flesh, to whom pertaineth the adoption and the glory and the covenants and the giving of the law and the service of God and the promises. Whose are the fathers?" And of whom, as concerning the flesh, Christ came, who is over all. God bless forever. Amen. He said, I, I could wish that I myself were accursed from Christ. Take in what he's saying. Paul said, I want the Jews to be saved so bad if it were possible that I could die and go to hell and make it all go to heaven. Paul said, I'd make that trade. I'd gladly suffer an eternity in hell if they could spend eternity in heaven. Now, that's love, my friends. That's a gospel-minded that's a gospel -minded man. That's a, that's a man with a gospel heart. That, that's somebody that this world needs more of. Amen? Whether he was right or wrong in his going to Jerusalem, he went with the right motive. He just had the wrong mission. I think about Galatians chapter 2 and verse 20, what Paul said. Paul said, I'm crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me, and the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Think about what he's saying there. He's saying, I died a long time ago. I died. I, I'm, I'm dead. My life is hid in Christ. I'm crucified with Christ. When I went back to Calvary and I see Jesus hanging on that cross, that was me hanging there. He died hanging there for me. He, he stood in my place. So in a sense, I'm crucified. I'm crucified with Christ, so I'm dead. The old me is dead. And he said, I'm still living here, but, but now that I'm living, it's Jesus' life living through me because his life for mine. Amen. He put his life in there for me. So I'm to live his life out the rest of my days. That's what Paul's saying. And that's what everybody in here ought to do. I don't know every one of us in here. We ought to finish out the life and ministry of Jesus Christ the rest of our days. That's what Paul was headed he was going right back to the city that rejected Jesus to give him Jesus one more time. Romans 12, 1 and 2, and I'm going to close with this verse. 
Romans 12, 1 and 2. Apostle Paul wrote, I beseech you, or I beg you, I plead with you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God. He said, if you want to see where I'm coming from, I'm coming from what God has done for me and what God has done for you. Based on what God has done for me and what God has done for you, I beg you that you present your bodies a living sacrifice. And again, I, as I've shared here many times, to present something means to place it near the hand. It doesn't mean to shove it into the hand. It means to place it near the hand, to present your body. Say, Jesus, here I am. I'm going to sacrifice my life. Here. I want you to take me into the church. And I want you to pour me out for your honor and glory. Amen. Now, Paul was making a mistake in his direction. There's no denying that. But he was still doing what... God told him to do. He was presenting his body a living sacrifice. Again, if he died in Jerusalem, that was fine with him. He said, present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And, and it's unreasonable for us as believers to have been washed in the blood of the Lamb, to have had our sins washed away, to have been given a, 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 new, a new home in heaven, to have been a spirit brought to life within us, have a new citizenship, have a new purpose, have, have, have everything, all things be made new and us continue to live the way we used to live. God help us. You think that pleases God? Oh, no. God doesn't want us to throw our life away in the service of the devil claiming to be his child. Do not make that mistake. No. He says it's your reasonable service to, to sacrifice your life for Christ, to, to give your life to him. He said, what does that mean? What does that look like? That means every day you get up and you don't say, well, I'm going to do this because this is what I want to do. No, there's things you shouldn't do just because you want to do them. Amen? You judge everything. You measure everything by is it is it proper? Is it right? Is God okay with it? Is God for it or is God against it? That's how we measure everything. We use, we use this just like... Just like, a, just like a yardstick. We measure our lives by the Word of God. And we're not living according to the letter of the law. We're living according to the Spirit of the law. We're letting the Lord Jesus Christ live through us. And then we're seeking His guidance. We're seeking for the Holy Spirit of God to teach us day by day, step by step, as we walk with Christ. And we are to continually have upon our lips the message of the dying of the Lord Jesus Christ. In verse 2 of Romans chapter 1, I'm sorry, Romans chapter 12, he says, And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed, changed. Don't let the world press you into its mold. Don't let the world custom fit you to its plan. And I want to tell you right now, if there was ever a day and time where we better heed this message and heed this message, it's today because this world has designs and plans on you. I can promise you there is a battle on for your thinking, and your feelings. The world has its design on getting a hold of you and making you think like it, making you feel the way it feels, and therefore directing you and guiding you in its way and shaping you in its mold and its image and to make you according to the world, not according to Christ. God warns us, not let that happen, to be not conformed to this world, but be you transformed. Now, I'm sure there were plenty of people around. And again, I know we're standing that Paul is going to the wrong place. I'm not trying to back up from that. But there were plenty of people who were telling him, Paul, don't be a fool. Don't make this mistake. There's no need 
you can we can point fingers at Paul and say, Paul, you were wrong, you were wrong, you were wrong, but it was a whole lot more than the rest of them were doing. There's a whole lot more than the rest of them were doing. There were plenty of people who were probably saying, Paul, take it easy, man, take it easy. You you've been on you've been on I mean, for crying out loud, that was that was your third missionary journey you've been on. I mean, you've been all over the world. Take a vacation, man. Come on, let's go fishing or something. Let's just unwind for a little while. We ain't got you ain't gotta go down there and throw yourself uh, to to the to the to the line, so to speak. You can you can let, take it easy for a while. And Paul said, No, I don't want to be like the rest of this I don't want to get caught up with the rest of this world. No, I'm on a mission. And and I and, and, and daily I'm renewing my mind. Daily I'm I'm spending time with God. Why? Because I want to prove God's will. Amen. I want to close with this thought. He says that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Now, Paul was not in God's perfect will. Paul had stepped out of God's perfect will when he made up his mind he was going to Jerusalem against the, the leading and warning of the Holy Ghost of God. He was out of God's perfect will. But, but was he still in God's acceptable will? I believe so. God, God made sure, even though he was doing wrong, even though he wasn't listening to him, even though he was, had, his, had, his, had blinders on and said, I'm going to Jerusalem, I don't care what God says, and that's what he was doing. And he was a little cocky, if you ask me. I don't know if I want to be like that and say, I don't care what you say, God. I'm going to do what I, I'm going to do your work the way I want to do it. <laughs> no, no. You don't build a church the way you want to build a church. You do it God's way or it don't work. Amen? You, 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 don't, you don't run a ministry your way. You do it God's way or it don't work. And you'll see that Paul's way didn't work. desire that Israel be saved. It was God's desire too. And so in that regard, yes, he still did. Was it what God wanted? And after those days, we took up our carriages and we went up to Jerusalem. And there went with us also certain of the disciples of Caesarea, which brought with them one Manasseh of Cyprus, an old disciple with whom we should lodge. And when we were come to Jerusalem, the brethren received us gladly. That's the end of Paul's third missionary journey. Now, I'm going to close here, but... There's some that say there was a fifth. Some that say, because of some comments he made, and we'll see this later, that he may have went up into Spain and even up to England. That's not documented. Who knows? But nevertheless, we're going to see some things take a turn when he gets into Jerusalem. But I just want to urge you this morning, think about your life. What kind of impact are you making for Christ? Someday, someday if the Lord tarries, there's going to be a group of people going to gather around. Your casket will be up front. And we'll be standing around. Those that are left will be standing around talking about you and the life you lived. Do you want Do you want us to mention things about how you served God? Do you want whoever does the service to talk about how you, how you witnessed to people or that you were a, a help to others to come to Christ? You've got to start doing it now. If, if, if you want people to talk about you when, when that day comes, you got to be busy. Don't waste your time. That clock's ticking. Calendar's turning. Christ is coming. Let's be busy. Let's stand together.
As she comes to play, we're going to turn to number 161. We're going to have a song, a song of invitation. Going to say Come to this altar and do business with me. And just kneel before the Lord and say, Lord, I'm going to do whatever you know. Oh, 